Welcome to Nourish by Spinnies, the podcast which promises to inspire you to eat well and live well. I'm Devina Devecha, recording out of our studio kitchen at Spinnies HQ. And I'm Tiffany Eslick. Welcome to a space where we hope to nourish your heart and soul. On this show, we chat with leading players in the food community, from farmers to foodies, as well as health and well-being experts. It's all about engaging conversations and fresh ideas, and we're excited to get started. And we're starting off our first episode with a fiery conversation with the Arab world's first pitmaster, Hatem Matar. I spoke to Hatem about all things barbecue and grilling, his recent travels, and why he believes barbecue can save the world. I absolutely loved the chat and I felt like it could go on for hours. Yeah, I agree. I was a fly on the wall during that conversation and I loved hearing about his memories of Spinney's as a young boy growing up in Dubai, some of which we can share, some of which we can't. He also coined a few new definitions for us. So if there's one thing you should listen out for, it's that. Well, and the recipe he put together on the spot that had me quite literally drooling over the microphone. But more on that later. Let's kick off with how Hatem got started in the big, exciting world of grilling. Essentially, the origin story was there was nobody making brisket in 2014. Uh, and even the equipment that existed from Weber um, wasn't in the country because it wasn't something that people were doing. Um, so we called Weber. Can we have a smoker? What for? What hotel are you? I'm not a hotel. I'm a regular person. I'd like to be a hotel one day. Um, but started smoking backyard. Brisket is a giant chunk of meat. That chunk of meat, even if you are, you know, six foot four linebacker, 250 pounds, you'll average 300 to 350 grams of meat in a sitting. Yeah. You're talking about six kilos of meat. What do you do with the rest? So invite neighbors, the neighbors, their neighbors, and then their neighbors, and then their neighbors. And then word of mouth turned into a, like a alter ego well, you know, respectable member of society, vice president of an oil and gas company. That was my Bruce Wayne. Well-dressed, well-kept, smelled nice. And then this Batman character came out, you know, apron on. Right. You know how Superman does the thing. Yeah. Alter Ego came out, this character that was cooking at night and, like, nobody knew his identity and he was just delivering brisket at all parts of the city and turned into catering business out of the backyard then turned into events, then turned into a proper company because all of that stuff was pre-company, yeah. then turned into a company, then turned into all of those things but magnified, then turned into a restaurant at Time Out, then three restaurants in the city, two at Expo, one at uh, uh, Time Out, and then none of those, and then zero restaurants, yeah. and then one, uh, and now international expansion signed yesterday. And uh, yeah, maybe 50 restaurants, world's 50 best on Mars. First barbecue restaurant to win it. Who knows? Why not? I don't know. I'm just kind of winging it. What made you even get interested in trying this out in the first place? So I was hungry. I wanted it for myself. Like it, was, right. a, it, was, a, it was just like a selfish endeavor. It was like, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't the philosophical like, um, I wonder what kind of um, process this is and what kind of characteristics it will, I had. None of those ideas in my head. I was just really hungry. I wanted brisket. No one was making it. We, my kryptonite is chocolate chip cookies. Just, okay. I'm putting that out there. Okay. If you ever see me having a bad day or you'd like to ask me for a favor and you bring me chocolate chip cookies. I can do that. Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you whatever you ask for. If I had done what I wanted to with chocolate chip cookies, then 
it would have been not a business because I would have been getting high on my own supply. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I can, believe you me, I could go through a dozen cookies, no problem. No, not inviting no neighbors. I would do that by myself. You can't do that with brisket. And it was just out of a question of um, wanting a product that did not exist in the UAE market at the time. I think that touches on something um, I wanted to ask anyway about your branding mm. around the wolf. Um, can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about that? What does that signify? Why are we seeing that pop up? You guys can't see it. Can you see it? Well, it's an it's a podcast. That was stupid. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you guys see this? Can you smell this? Anyways, um, this is what I look like in real life. And I just happen to take on this form for you guys because a talking wolf sitting at this table would be kind of strange. Um, in all seriousness, in university, I was a, a semi-professional fighter. And my ring name was Hatem Wolf Matar. Really? Yeah. Wow. So a lot of people in university didn't know my real name. Because you would go out to the club and they're like, hey, I've seen you around. What's your name? Hatem. What? And they'd do the, you know, where they yeah. plug their ear and like, because everybody's next to the speaker. Yeah. And I would spell my name out for them. It was H-A-T-T-E-M. And they're like, double T? I'm like, yes. So for four years of university... I had three names. My Arab crew called me Hatib. They knew that. Guys and girls that I knew in university called me Double T. And the people that I spent, you know, day in, day out, we trained seven days a week for three years, um, called me Wolf. Right. So I had all of these, like, you know that, um, what's that movie with James McAvoy where he's got several personalities? Um, split. Yes. Yeah, that's me in real life. Okay. <laughs> Not in a scary sense, by the way, <laughs> no. please. Um, I have a pack. I have tomato, tomato wolf and henna wolf. And then I actually have wolves at the house. We have five now. Um, that pack together is eight wolves strong. Um, and not as the alpha because of my qualifications, but I just happen to be the biggest and oldest, right? If, if I could give the reins over to Tamara or Hannah, gladly. I just want to hang out, you know? But favorite Disney movie, Mowgli. Mowgli was raised by wolves. Yep. My first dog's name was Mowgli. Obsessed with, well, I don't know why. The, the, uh, the, the cool thing about the wolf is that it can survive on its own, which I have for, uh, because I was married, then divorced, then the, the, you know, the, the getting used to that part, being part of a pack and then being a lone wolf yeah. and then being part of a pack again um, mirrors nature. And even though the wolf can survive on its own and does, it thrives. And the difference between the two is stark, right? Um, it thrives when it has other wolves to look after or other wolves to lean on for support. Um, so it's just been kind of my alter ego from when I was university that disappeared when I went into corporate and now that came out to, uh, to support Batman in his quest. That's a great story. Thanks, man. <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> no. thing about you is that you haven't I think if I could say it like this stagnated you've been traveling you've been learning you've yeah. been doing things yeah. uh, we've been seeing some of your stories on Instagram yeah. about the cool things you've been doing you probably ate some cool things as well I ate I caught and ate alligator with, wow. my, with my bare hands which was that's a story for another day because that's <laughs> a lot of profanity in that story but okay. uh, alhamdulillah we just spent more than 100 days abroad traveling the world as the culinary ambassadors for the UAE embassy in Washington and for the U.S. embassy in Abu Dhabi. Culinary diplomacy is 
part of a school of diplomacy that is now being taught called soft, soft power. Yeah. Right? And, and you'd think the two are that soft power is an oxymoron. If you were to get all of the dignitaries in a room with a PowerPoint presentation, put on a suit, and be like, today I'm going to talk to you about the UAE, you'd get a turnout of maybe 30%, 50%. Mm -hmm. But if you threw a backyard barbecue, invited the same people and said, listen, man, bring dessert from home, you know how many people would show up? A lot. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody would show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. The challenge with the Arab world is that we don't dictate our own story. We don't get to tell who we are. Someone else is doing the talking. For, why am I watching Martha Stewart make hummus and tell me how to, I'm sorry, excuse me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there is nobody, and not that I am, by the way, but there is nobody that tells abroad the story of Arabic hospitality and the culinary offering of 22 speaking Arabic countries. Um, and say it from a place of, oh, mulukhiya is this, 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 and this is how my, my mom used to make it. Um, we got to do that to an audience that didn't know where we were on the planet. Yeah. It was a learning experience for me because we interacted with people that we would otherwise not interact with. Yes. Everybody's prejudiced, but not everybody is racist. And you check, you gut check yourself. Would I hang out with these people in my back? Would I invite them to the house? Uh, no. But after spending 100 plus days on the road, man, the farmer in Australia, the farmer in Egypt, the farmer in Republican Texas and liberal California are all the same person. And you wouldn't know that unless you interacted with all of them on the same playing field, like on a level playing field, sharing yeah. a meal. The Egyptian guy's got farmer concerns, just like the Australian guy, drought, water. What am I going to feed the kids if the price of oil keeps going up? Everybody says the same thing. And although they come from completely different religious and political spectrums, and they don't know, like they think the guy on the other side of the aisle or the other side of the planet is their enemy because of those things, but they're essentially the same person. And we got to tell that story through food without putting on a suit or putting together a PowerPoint presentation. You were just you. Just hanging out, yeah. just making brisket, just putting the spices on that we figured out, not even being a chef, just making it up as we went along and seeing people that have been doing it for generations, fifth generation cattle farmers. We were on a, a ranch, a uh, guy said, can you ride? I said, I can ride. He said, where'd you learn to ride? I said, I learned to ride uh, riding horses under the pyramids. And for him, he was like, what? Yeah. And for me, I was like, you get to wake up every morning and herd cattle into the sunset? We, we were both like in awe of each other. Yeah. But if I saw him, in the shopping mall and he saw me, my sibha, you know, walking around and I've got Arabic calligraphy in my back shirt and he's wearing his cowboy hat. I mean, screw that guy. He'd be like, yeah, screw you, buddy. But we got along, I swear to God, like literally the instant we shook hands. What is the platform that would allow you to do the handshake in the first place other than, other than food? Yeah. Because when people are like, oh, music. He listens to country music, homie. We don't. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, art. They're not looking at the same art that we, you know what I mean? There are things, there's sport, even sport. He watches baseball, I watch whatever. Yeah. Right? But guess what? Everybody on the planet eats barbecue. Not our barbecue, not their barbecue, but live fire cuisine. When we were at the 
Smithsonian. We were cooking at the Smithsonian, by the way. Very cool. Ta-da! <laughs> we were giving the speech about how barbecue is going to save the world, and and it's like all of those, all of the nationalities of the world, including the Vatican. I think I would love to know what the Vatican barbecues. Please, someone answer me that question. We will hunt someone, this. Please, information I'm, I'm dying to know. But every culture on the planet has barbecue. There's three barbecues: B A R B E C U E, barbecue. Is the verb? Yeah. Yes. BBQ, the acronym, is the equipment. Barbecue Q U E is the food. I'm coining that trademark, registered. Hatamathar. Those three things. I made that up. Yes. But everybody's got those, right? The evolution of the human species came from Cro-Magnon man barbecuing protein, and that extra energy being used to fuel the evolution of the size of the human brain. Yeah. So when someone's like, oh, we're not supposed to be eating meat, I'm like, maybe you, homie. The only reason we became human, homo sapien, is because we started barbecuing. Yeah. You can look that up scientifically. I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you mentioned that about uh, barbecue saving the world, yeah. why do you think that? People, especially in this day and age, people lead with their differences, yeah. right? I'm from here, or I, or they don't even say where they're from, but they see where you're from. Yes. And their autumn, their their treatment of you, or their what they say to you, or how they behave around you, comes from the leading of leading with the differences between you. And the right thing to do, if I may, the right thing to do is not lead with the similarities because that could be pretentious. You're never going to be like, hey, man, we both eat barbecue. Can we sit down and have a conversation? That's kind of weird. But lead with the space between you. There's just emptiness, right? And when it comes up, be like, you know, we used to barbecue in my backyard and this is what we used to barbecue. They're like, oh, my God, I used to barbecue in my backyard and this is what we used to barbecue. You can't have a conversation about any other cuisine. I'm partial to barbecue because obviously that's the only thing I know how to make. So I'm one of the... Uh, one of the chefs, two of the chefs um, that I first worked with when I first started, Gordon Ramsay trained chefs, great guys, still friends to this day. Um, they're like, I made a brisket shakshuka. Okay. Put brisket in the bottom of a cast iron pan, eggs, tomato sauce, kamun, oven, came out gold. Nice. One of the guys was like, you know what you should put on this? I'm like, what, chef? He's like, Bernays. And I'm like, did you say something about my mom? What the <laughs> hell is Bernays? What? <laughs> I, I know I, I'm partial to barbecue. And why barbecue is so great, because it's the only thing I know how to make. But again, I never got into it for the philosophy, but thinking about the philosophy of barbecue, if you said, oh man, my family's vegan and this is what we used to eat, you alienate a lot of people. My family's French, we used to eat a lot of this, and alienates a lot of people. Not that that cuisine alienates people, but it's endemic to where you're from. Yeah. So if you have the capability to have a conversation with anybody, this is what we used to listen to, this is what we used to eat growing up. This is what we used to. When you go through the list of, you know, getting to know somebody, what's your favorite mm -hmm. color? What's your favorite music? Da, 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 da. The one that will always stick out 100% of the time, 100% of the time that you guys have in common is barbecue. I have a lot more to ask Khatim, including what he looks for in cuts of meat and what nourishes his soul, right after this short break. Davina, let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite things, cheese. Do you have a favorite kind of cheese though, or is that too hard a question? 
Absolutely. I'm not even going down that road. Um, but I know the cheese I want to talk about right now, and that's Parmigiano Reggiano. I was in Italy earlier this year and found myself surrounded by wheels of them stacked into towers, almost like a skyline. This is at our supplier Zanetti, which is now in its fourth generation, having started in 1900 by Guido Zanetti. His great-grandson Paolo Zanetti gave me a fantastic tour. Most importantly, did you get to try both the Parmigiano Reggiano and the Grana Padano? Yes, absolutely. I tried various wheels of cheese of different ages and Paolo really went into detail about like which cheese goes with which dish that you're trying to serve. For a big occasion, like uh, together with uh, very good Italian uh, red wine or uh, you know, champagne, it's good to have a very well mature Parmigiano Reggiano, like a three years old Parmigiano Reggiano. If you want uh, uh, products to be created on pasta, uh, like 16 months old, uh, uh, Grana Padano is very good and uh, as a table cheese or as an appetizer cheese or as a piece of cheese I used to have a Parmigiano Reggiano, well mature Parmigiano Reggiano, like three years old Parmigiano Reggiano. So the next time you're serving something special for your friends or family or just indulging in a slice of pizza or leftover pasta for breakfast, grate some of our Spinney's food Parmigiano Reggiano or Grana Padano today. Welcome back. I'm Devina Devecha and you're listening to Nourish by Spinnies and my conversation with the Arab world's first pitmaster, Hatim Mother. Along the way, like through your journey, um, you know, in this world of smoke and fire, mm. um, what has been perhaps something that surprised you, you know, when you learned about it or something that's maybe changed your perspective on things? The cool thing about this type of cuisine is even though it belongs to everyone, no one can lay claim to it. Yeah. Right? So we were doing one of these interviews. They said, oh, how long did it take you to perfect brisket? So we're talking about no one's, no one's perfected brisket, right? It's such a relative term. Some people like lean. Some people like moist. Some people like their brisket sauce, God forbid. Astaghfirullah. But there's, there is no school for barbecue. You could go to Cordon Bleu and get a degree in culinary. There is no live fire cooking school. You have to earn that badge, right? So the way people earn it is being a line cook, chopping onions, and then working their way up to being a pit cook, and then da 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 until you become a pit master. And there's some people that have trained with their father, and there's some people, you know what I mean? And there's some people that have learned it like me, trial and error. But the, the, the thing that I've learned is that um, because the cuisine is communal, the community is the same. There isn't competition between the chefs, they will trade you how they do things, literally in front of everybody. Uh, chef, man, I really like that. How did you make that? Some chefs will be like, what are you talking about? I'd never give you my recipes, you know? Some, and some yeah. chefs are like that because their claim to fame is that recipe that they have on the dinner table. Barbecue's not like that. They'll, hey, this takes 14 days. Our, our pastrami takes 14 days, by the way. Wow. Yeah, good luck. Here's the recipe, go nuts. You know what I mean? I'll give you that recipe. If you've got the gall and the commitment and the heart to do the 14-day work, man, you deserve it. Yeah. But most of the people are like, nope, screw you. I'm just going to come to your, uh, your place and have a sandwich in five minutes. Yeah. I prefer to do that. But um, nothing really surprises me uh, as much as how instant the connection is when we traveled Australia, the U.S., Brazil, London, okay. and by the time 
we had finished all of those stops, we, we'd fed 15, more than 15,000 people. Wow. So even if you are a Michelin star, world's 50 best chef, you'll never get access to that many diners in that span of time. Yeah. Right? Being in barbecue feels like you're a rock star in the culinary world. It's like you sold out a 17,000 person arena and interacted with all those people. I interacted with, over the course of the summer, 17,000 people. We counted them. I don't think any other platform in cuisine gives you that opportunity. No, that's amazing. There's definitely a lot of people. Um, I wanted to get technical as well a little bit because sure. we obviously uh, have you, a lot You want to know the 14-day uh, secret? Welcome. I, I mean, we, we, <laughs> yeah. can, we can talk about that later yeah. over a plate of cookies or yes. something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, you we, nice. We, we can do I'll that. I'll trade you. I, I bake. It's fine. Yeah, okay. we, we can do that. Um, but obviously, we have a lot of people, um, you know, who shop at Spinney's as well, who enjoy a good barbecue. So, you know, what are you looking out for when it comes to cuts of meat? What should they be aware of? Uh, maybe some tips for them? Absolutely. So... We've, we've been Spinney's kids since we were, yeah, we've been Spinney's since we were kids, 1998. Nice. There was a Spinney's behind Burjuman, and there was a Spinney's before it was renovated, the Spinney's that's on Jumeir Beach Road next to Magrudy's. Yep. Used to shop there. Um, and from then till now, the, the quality of ingredients, and this is not a plug, but if you're lighting a barbecue, you're not lighting a barbecue for one person. Yeah. You're not making one hot dog. In the protein sense of the word, you're looking for stuff that is in, on the smoking side. Yep. High fat content. Um, obviously, all of the additives and hormones and antibiotics, all of that stuff, not only is it bad for you, but believe it or not, there's a flavor to it, right? Right, yeah. Um, so you're looking for stuff that is free of that stuff. And you're looking um, for ingredients that... Either A, you have a like touch point with, right? Um, if you have the capability for local tomatoes when the local tomatoes are in season, those ones will taste the best. Like uh, Spinney's has um, the guys from Pure Harvest. Yeah. Those tomatoes, I swear to it's like biting into a watermelon or sugar. They're so sweet. Yeah. I've learned this from chefs who are better than I am. The better an ingredient is, the less you have to do to it. True. Right? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm learning this as a chef in quotations, italics, underline. Um, go to Spinney's, get a really high-quality protein, pay for it, and know that this is a reward. This is not your everyday thing, mm. right? And the reason it's expensive is because either, A, how it was raised, where it came from, its food source, all of that stuff, right? And it's not a branding exercise. It's not yeah. because I'm shopping at Spinney's. It's because what you are buying, you're getting that bang for your buck health-wise and taste-wise, number two. Number three, salt, pepper, garlic, put it over a charcoal oak fire, leave it for however long that protein needs to get to the specific temperature it needs. Don't put anything on it. Eat it. Send me a message. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I think people have also wondered a little bit about, because you mentioned both the terms smoking and barbecuing, about the difference between them. So can you spell that out for people who aren't quite sure? Sure. Uh, so essentially, the term barbecue in the American culinary sense is anything that is low and slow. Uh, low and slow means low fire, slow time, 275 degrees and below, Fahrenheit. Okay. Don't ask me what that is in Celsius, I have no idea. Okay. Only the Americans use Fahrenheit, it's weird. 
Um, and then anything that is above that is considered grilling. The two are different. Could be the same fuel source, but one is direct, one is indirect. One is super, you know, long and leaves food juicy, and some, uh, the other one is like, you know, super high heat, will lock flavor in, and it's a 10-15 minute thing. So the difference between them is time and temperature. I've seen the phrase third culture barbecue. Mm. Uh, what does that mean to you? Can you I'm a third a culture kid. Yeah. I'm Egyptian born, Emirati raised, making American barbecue. What the hell is that? You know what I mean? We just had the most famous in person in barbecue at the moment is a gentleman by the name of Aaron Franklin. His tour manager just had barbecue last week. And I, he didn't, like, he didn't lead with that. You know what I mean? He's, he ate, we fed him and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, I just happened to be, you know, Dr. Dre's tour manager. I'm like, what? You could have told me that before I gave you my mixtape. But he's <laughs> like, he's like, why, um, why does this taste like this? I'm like, well, this comes from this and this and this. It is a fusion. And I hate that term. But it is a melting pot of all three of those cultures. What my mom used to put on kebab halla. The techniques that I learned in the United States, and the spices that are available here in the UAE, we put all of those together in a dish that represents all three of those cultures. Yeah. So third culture barbecue is cuisine for third culture kids. Um, that is very accurate and very cool. Mm. Um, same story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cuisine for us. It's yeah. barbecue for us. So let's talk about what you're planning to do now. Tell me more about the international expansion. What's next? What's next is like a multi-pronged, multi-faceted, A, B, C, and then E, all of the above response. Saudi um, is our first international expansion. We're very proud of the association we have in Saudi. It, it is the same holding company. Like, I don't know why this is even mentioned. I don't know how he, you, hearing my origin story, some poor guy, hungry for brisket, cooking out of his backyard, is mentioned in the same sentence as Nusrat, Hakasan, and then Matar. I was like, what? On what planet is this? Like, is this real life? I'm like, you know what I mean? We're opening a restaurant two minutes from you guys uh, in Maidan. Nice. A real live fire sit-down restaurant with a fire pit and an underground pit and a barbecue that you can see from a mile away. Um, and it is the evolution of the farmhouse. If you've been to Medina Jumeirah when we opened last year, um, the evolution of the farmhouse is going to be in Maidan. Um, and it is a continuation with the greatest humility of the evolution of what we've been doing all of this time. So um, backyard to catering, to events, to restaurant, to multi-restaurants. We've got a barbecue school opening with the Dubai College of Tourism. Nice. We've got uh, merchandise going into um, Tavola, Dubai Garden Center in Spinney's, inshallah. We've got uh, a lot of kind of... Um, community touch points that are not necessarily business related, but are business critical, if you can use that term. Okay. Um, to go back to how we started, we we Matar as as a like as a business was a community, and then kind of became a business by accident. Yeah. And I'd like it to always be that. Uh, and so we're getting back to community building, as opposed to like how much is this tomato and what is it to our bottom line on barbecue sauce. I don't care. And I'm actually not good at that. I don't know how to do that stuff. But I do know how to make a wicked barbecue sauce. Um, so we're getting back to that kind of stuff. You know, everything that you're doing. 
What is it that you hope to achieve with all of that? I hope to achieve a brand out of the Arab world that is exported to the rest of the world, not in the business sense, but okay. in its ideals and its beliefs and its philosophy, and that it sets the tone and pace for Tamara and Hannah to know that the Arab world is an exporter of excellence and not an importer of ideas. Um, and that we've passed that stage already. That we don't have to import a restaurant or a clothing company or a music or an art from abroad. We are excellent in our own right and have been for generations. And now is the time that we should be flexing and showcasing and highlighting all of the things that we are excellent at. So London, Tokyo, New York, Los Angeles, Mexico, Sao Paulo, all those places are like, what are the kids doing in Dubai? Let's bring that. That's, I'm 40 in two weeks. When I'm 45, ask me this question again. I will do. So what nourishes your soul? My children. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. That's so yeah. sweet. My children, 100%. Everything I'm doing is, is for the girls, whether they want to be, Tamara wants to be an architect, and Hannah, I'm not making this up, Hannah wants to be the first DJ on Mars. Nice. I don't know where she came up with that, but... But if, if this business gives them, A, the financial capability to pursue their dreams, number one. But before that, I'd like it to be the idea that not you don't have to be in the Arab world an engineer or a doctor or a business person, right? And that they saw their father, you know, from scratch. Good luck getting a 12-year-old or 13-year-old to sit through a conversation about gratitude. Not going to happen about hard work or going to tell them to do chores. But if you disguise it as stuff that you're doing with them, right? Tamara, go take care. We've got zonkeys at the house. Okay. Um, two, two, uh, two zonkeys. They're half zebra, half donkey. And if the girls want to do something, I'm like, are the zonkeys fed? Did you feed the zonkeys? They're like, oh, puppy, whatever. I'm like, whatever, whatever to you. Who, what, what child has zonkeys in their backyard? Go, do the work. And when they come back, and then whatever they wanted to do, we do in exchange for that work without saying that those two are associated, yeah. they know hard work reward, right? But if you're like, listen, Johnny, you have to work really hard, and like, no one's going to listen. So what nurtures my soul is hiding those lessons, those life lessons in farm life and restaurant life to them and, and seeing that it's working without them paying attention to it. Sneaky. Super. <laughs> What is your favorite thing to, to barbecue, actually? Um, my favorite thing to barbecue is beef cheek. Um, it's like a mini brisket. Mm -hmm. If you do it properly, you like hold it. It looks like a heart. You know, you love it. And you, if you hold it in your hand, don't do it right after the grill. Obviously, yes. you'll lose yes. your hands. But black gloves, if you've done your beef cheek properly, you'll um, be able to squish it. And it'll fall apart just like your emotions when you eat it. It's just the perfect amount of protein to collagen to beef to like, it's just, it's so versatile and it tastes so incredible with nothing on it. That sounds great. And now I'm hungry. So yeah, now you're just like, now you're like, <laughs> like I love you. I'm gonna go downstairs. <laughs> yes, and, beef know, cheek. Yes. Have a look at that. Yeah. Um, pomegranate juice and beef cheek. Oh my God. Did you get an beef idea? Cheek, yes. Okay, mm. let's hear it. <laughs> so we'll put beef cheek. We'll put a lot of beef cheek in a cast iron pot. Okay. 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 Garlic. 
underneath onions, um, pomegranate, actual pomegranate. Okay. Okay. And then pomegranate molasses, a little bit of juice. Okay. And then put that in the smoker and let it simmer and, and, and cook down. The jus will braise the bottom. You'll turn the beef cheek mm-hmm. and it'll be like pomegranate smoked beef cheek. Oh my God. I'm really I hungry. I just came up with that now. I'm really hungry thank now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Tip your waitress. <laughs> barbecue season how perfect is that recipe i know and i love that he just came up with it as we were talking well that brings us to the end of our first episode i hope you had as much fun listening to him as i did and now have some great tips to make your next barbecue a juicy and delicious one we'll be back in two weeks with our next episode in conversation with carlos the head chef of table talking about his amazing journey and table's own success making it to michelin's bib gourmand list earlier this year Until then, you can follow Spinneys on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for more. And visit us at spinneys.com where you can sign up to our newsletters and get delicious recipes and the latest lifestyle news sent straight to your inbox. See you in two weeks. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode in conversation with Carlos, the head table... <laughs> <laughs> Head table at Chef. <laughs> <laughs> Jeepers, creepers. <laughs>